Welcome to episode 27 of the Lonely Fan Sports Show. I am Josh Anderson. Usually I don't do these podcasts at Supercross races the night of, of the races, but um, here we are. Have time, and I didn't watch the race exactly live, uh, family life, but... Uh, was able to watch the race a couple hours after. I will be able to watch the race uh, Tuesday and next Saturday live. I have off, so. Uh, but here we go. Um, firstly, though, before we get to the actual race itself, we need to talk about the broadcast. Uh, in an earlier podcast, I, I bitched about uh, race day live and uh, about the broadcast, but um, in this one, we need to talk about. Not race day life itself, but the whole entire shit show broadcast in general. And I don't know what to do. Um, you know, you look at the entire package. The you hear when you listen to Pulpamex, Steve Mathis. When you listen to uh, Jason Wygant, uh, it's it's realistically the same broad broadcast group the entire time. Uh, I believe his name is Bondo. They also do the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series. So w- when you look at the Supercross Series, they have realistically been doing live events, some in 2010, 2011, and, and roughly 2012. They really went most of their live events on Speed TV. And then Fox took over after that. Fox had live races, I know, in 2014. 2013, 2014, 2015, 16, 17, and 18. NBC took over in 2019, 2020, and now 2021. So, you know, in some ways, people, you could think about blaming the broadcasters because, you know, Jeff Emming looked to be struggling towards the tail end. You know, Ralph made a lot of gaffes because he was more maybe a car guy. So they bring in Lee Diffie. They bring in the other guy. They bring in Ricky Carmichael who struggles out of the gate but seemingly is getting better. Then you have other critiques of not being... You hear this all the time where... They're always looking for the bring audiences in, so they dumb it down. And, and and let's start off with that. We Realistically, again, we need to stop dummying down the broadcasts. When, when you watch an NFL game, yes, I do pick up on where they do, they do explain the nuances of the football game, even with the game. But when they do it, they don't act like you're a two-year-old they they mix it in the game and then they actually do hardcore football when i'm watching in the nhra which i'll reference even on twitter i did it tonight when you watch in a national hot rod association association drag race you're i do not feel i'm being talked down to at all and race cars when you're dealing with nitromethane you know, and I even do podcasting now of race reviews, and I even did a preview of that. Even you're not being talked down to, and they actually do. Do you know they go through it? They explain things. 
that's awesome. They have a lot of broadcast time, and they do have some downtime, even though they do have multiple classes. Oh, sorry, excuse me. That's awesome. That's wonderful that they do that. But in Supercross, I don't know what the fuck is happening. They just keep on doing it, and it just seemingly... All we get is oh, they're hitting their marks, and that's all that we're getting. It's just we're not getting expertise in anything, and some of it's coming from failed, it seems like, where they're dumbing it down. Some of it seems coming to be from the OEM side, where everything is so secretive that from when the riders have injuries or we can't have any know any of the technology because oh my god everyone might get might find something out that uh it might take an advantage over the bikes or something it, it's just like come on we need to be a smart if people if maybe if you sound like an intelligent broadcast maybe they you know pick up more people that actually want to watch the actual race because like i said when i watch an nhra race they sound like they know what they're talking about and i realistically want to pay attention to what i'm listening to and this is typically on a supercross broadcast the motocross side with wygant and with um i'm having a oh my god I, with langston I never feel that way. Langston calls his, even though he does have his alcoholic rants and immature rants on Twitter, outside of that, he realistically calls it as he sees it, and they are very knowledgeable on when they speak. Now, And also, they do have much more of a long form because they get pretty much 30, million, 30 minutes plus two laps. Supergrass is a little bit more condensed and everything. The other thing about the broadcast that irritates the living day daylights out of me especially in an lcq is you could have a little bit more cool feedback on the lcq writers and talk a little bit about them and yeah you give little stupid little tidbits but have some knowledge have some feedback uh, lee diffie today had talked about club M club mx and all that but it seemingly it seemed like Ricky Carmichael had realistically had no feedback on Club MX. Yeah, he had the goat farm forever, but he sold the goat farm. R Ricky, talk about Club MX at least a little bit. Don't I? I just maybe he had something against them or something. But I, I have I have no idea what was going on there. But either way, when uh, Kevin Morantz, LCQ, talk about him a little bit. Uh, Cody Shock when he's in the LCQ, talk about him and his team. Talk about talk about Michael Lindsay uh, taking over his team with Carson Mumford. I, I understand that's something about Mathis's show that you have, but uh, at least something in the broadcast uh, to get people a little bit more knowledge outside of the the main guys, because that's you're seeing all these riders on the line. And you, you, you just see the names and numbers on the broadcast. And if, if uh, Pulp MX or if Main Event Moto or Industry Seating, if none of those other podcast shows didn't exist, you would have no idea who these writers are outside of friends and family. And even though I understand that the Supercross 
broadcast is limited to who they can can and can't talk about but I mean t even towards the back end of the the 450 main event you can talk about maybe Kate Clayson making another main event he won the Steve Mathis privateer island you can talk about that Freddie Freddie Norlin he struggled he's struggling he, he's had the struggles he made he finally made a main event Alex Ray uh, Vince Freezy, uh, Max Anstey, like talk about their talk about some history. Get get involved in the broadcast. Talk, let's because when there's nothing, if there's nothing going on in the racing, you can do a little bit more long form in the race. Doesn't have to be every single race, but when when it's, when, when it's there and knowledgeable, you can do it. And it would be awesome to at least show a little bit more knowledge because. When you're watching any other event, you're, you're getting this type of information. And in Supercross, you're just not. And you're missing out. So getting back to today's embarrassment, uh, firstly, well, I guess this isn't really firstly, but why why are we cutting the mains? You know, I, I remember the first time, uh, 2016, round 17 Vegas, they had that, uh, Dungey had uh, already had the championship, so it was kind of a wasted round anyway. But they cut the mains down, and I can't remember. I think it was, um, I think this was the last year of of uh, laps. But um, with that said, I I don't know what we were doing. Like the track was terrible, so. I think you could have just done the 20 laps and left, but I get it. It's the last race of the season. Just get get everybody out. The track was trash. That's fine. And then the track that uh, um, the the Seattle track uh, a couple of years later, which they had to, that I understood. Uh, I remember Phil Nicoletti got his bike stuck outside of a turn, and he had a hell of a time pushing it out. That I understood completely where you had to reduce the times. That's fine. But today, I had no idea why the main events were shortened. Because there was enough downtime and you could clip the downtimes. The track looked good outside of the whoops. The track was drying out. The racing was great. Especially even out front. Um... Now, Mathis Online tweeted it was because of TV time. Well, if you're on the big boy network, you fuck the uh, track maintenance and you get the race in. I don't want to hear about track conditions. This is the, uh, you know, no other sport. Uh, NASCAR, uh, NHRA, Formula One, MotoGP, MXGP, even the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series. They're not shortening their times. So uh, it's a complete embarrassing for Fell to do it again. Uh, letting your TV network control your race day operations because you're getting paid. Honestly, if you were paying to be on their network, I understand. But the fact of the matter is, is if I recall, they're paying you. To have your network, you're being paid to have your product on their network. Since that is the case, you tell them you 
are not shortening up your timetable. So I find that, that that's a complete shit show. And then you, you're having on TV a, a, a monster truck flipping? Really? I, I, I mean, I understand that Feld owns Monster Jam. Cool. I, I go to monster truck racing. I love that. I'm going to be taking my, my daughter to these monster trucks um, as soon as uh, they're allowable uh, in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. As soon as uh, I'm able to purchase those tickets, hopefully they start doing the December shows again, I, I will be one of the first ones to buy those tickets. But I, I don't understand what we're doing. That's not what I'm watching Supercross for. That's If you look at Facebook, if you look at Twitter, if you look at the social media, now I understand when they release the schedule or they really, people complain. But, whole oh, this was not a smart thing to do. You, you, you make an announcement that you're clipping the, uh, you're shortening the mains, and then, uh, firstly, I'll get the Rutledge Wood here again in a minute, but then you show monster truck flipping that for the the optics life is about mostly optics half the time and the optically that's just not looking smart or good i come on it just that, come on guys just do your 20 minutes get moving and also speaking of tv why are why are the two of the last four races of the season not live on TV? They're on the Peacock, Peacock app. Good for you. But why are they not live on TV? It it, it just makes no sense. It, it It's extremely frustrating as a Supercross fan. Now, there's a guy on Twitter. He, he does a lot of statistics for Mathis and everything. And he was, like, grateful for, um, you know, having live TV and everything. Yeah, it's awesome that like all this is wonderful. We have the access and their access and everything, but the fact of the matter is is that you should want things to improve. And after almost 10 years of live television, shit should improve. And for from the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross perspective or when you're looking at the Monster Energy Supercross perspective, Shit's not improving. It's actually going backwards. And fans should demand uh, improvement. And it's just not. Oh, and also, lastly, what the fuck are we doing with Rutledge Wood? Rutledge Wood, sorry. Again, it's just, honestly, it, there's there's no point to him. He doesn't con- contribute anything to the broadcast. I listened to him on his interview for, for uh, the broadcast, or on uh, Pulpamex. And he was saying that he's just trying to pump up people from other things because he's got a, uh, a show on Netflix. He's got uh, the the Americanized show on from BBC, and then he uh, I I just don't get it. Uh, I understand that DV was a little bit combative combative at him, but I, I just when he's just asking literally the most asinine questions. Of all time, and it's just when you're pissing off the core base of fans that know everything already, I, I, I don't know what you're asking to do. 
because the core fan base is majority watching and the core fan base already is paying for the Peacock app. I, I just don't know where else to go with with Feld or NBC. That And the funny thing is about this is that they don't pull this bullshit during the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross series. For, you know, mostly because they don't have the time for it because they got to get right to racing. But for Supercross, they seem to do this dumb shit. And at some point, the message has got to get across to them that this shit needs to end and just show the racing bar to bar. That That's what people want to see. People want to see the racing personalities. I, I think the idea of showing more interviews at the race or show more of the science, the technology, the, the make up the mud shit was annoying. Um, I, I think it was extremely embarrassing when they tried to not show the LCQs during the races. Uh, I just, I, I have no idea what decision makers are trying to do over there. But until they honestly start listening to the, the, the people that are really, really smart, like myself, they need to stop. So, all right, let's get to the actual racing. So, uh, the winner of the event was uh, Eli Tomac. It will be his 37th 450 Supercross victory. He is closely getting to number 40. Uh, one of the rare races to get that. Uh, he, you know, he obviously this season has not been good. Uh, he was able to... Uh, the heat race was... Uh, kind of resembled his season. Uh, Barsha in the heat race was dominant. Uh, uh, obviously, Tomac actually had a good start in the heat race, and then, but Barsha was able to get a better one, was jumping stuff that uh, Tomac wasn't, looked to be comfortable in. Then uh, Tom, um, Barsha didn't, wasn't able to get into the rut correctly and then uh, fell, hit his head. Uh, Barsha did make the main through the heat, but... Uh, Barsha did not look the greatest the rest of the night. But anyway, through the uh, Tomac one, Tomac does have the possibility to win all the Atlantas, which would be his first three-race victory uh, since ooh, 2019, maybe. But uh, we'll have to see uh, if... Uh, 2018, actually, sorry, 2018. But... Um, We'll have to see if he can get there. This style of track, obviously, uh, pretty much is Tomac's sweet style and uh, features him. Uh, he now is 31 points behind uh, Cooper Webb. It, it's all but over for Tomac. The only thing that he possibly could do is uh, sweep the remaining four rounds it's possible for him to actually do that because he's going into Salt Lake City, which he's extremely well the last two rounds, and obviously these two remaining races at Atlanta are his specialty. So it is possible, and he just needs a, a screw-up from Cooper Webb, which is obviously always possible. Uh, the one thing I will say is uh, if, if Tomac can get this momentum into the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series, he might be able to win that championship. I, I, but we'll have to see him going into that. If you, uh, you, you never know. But this is probably the best, uh, the best race Tomac has actually looked all year to me. Uh, he looked to have speed. 
uh, and uh, a little bit of flash of dominance that I have not seen from him uh, all this year. Uh, it's uh, for his future from the podcasting and other news sources that I've been reading. Uh, it's kind of up in the air if he is going to be um, returning. Um, some people say he's done. Other people say that they're negotiating a new contract. So we'll have to see. Uh, I would be. I, I figured that he was going to be done. But if he wants another two-year deal, I think Cowie might be interested in it. Uh, I think Austin Forkner crashing and hurting himself again has kind of opened that window to probably having wanting Tomac come back. But we'll have to see on that one. Uh, I think Cowie, uh, you know, Cowie having Ryder D and Jet Reynolds and Chance Hymas coming up through the pipeline kind of wants kind of them wanting to have Eli Tomac stay a couple more years may more likely than have uh, maybe have Forkner win see if how he does in outdoors and stay in 250 in another year but we'll see uh Chase Sexton got second he looked great the entire race uh he, next uh this outdoor season should look uh pretty interesting for him and next supercross season should be extremely entertaining to him because he uh, he looks to be almost a better starter than uh, Cooper Webb and more speed than Cooper Webb for next season, even as for outdoors. But uh, so far, when he doesn't crash, he looks amazing. And uh, we'll have to see what Chase does the rest of the season. But this so far, this race, uh, he looked outstanding. And uh, as long as he keeps it upright, he has a chance to win the race. And... Uh, it will be interesting to see where he can go in the points. Right now, he, uh, I, I think I read this was only like his sixth start, and he's uh, roughly about 18th in points. He could, if, if he remains healthy enough, he could maybe bump up to about 11th in points. But that, I think maybe 12th in points might be his final bout it realistically depends upon if he can stay healthy and gets any more podiums but good for chase hopefully his face is healed up four races ago the object for chase is to make sure like i said he stays healthy for the outdoors uh cooper webb got uh, third another podium for him extends his points lead uh for him that's all he was doing was beating ken roxon uh cooper webb the one thing i'll say about him is is I don't have him as my outdoor favorite. I, I, I'm not going to change in that tune. I just, the one thing I will say is on, on certain tracks, he, he's always going to be able to main buffer and maintain a, a level of speed. But on tracks like this, which require a pure speed effort, Tomac and uh, like a rider like Chase Sexton or Adam Cincerello when healthy, are always going to have an advantage over uh, Cooper Webb, and uh, it showed at, in this racetrack. Um, but either way, it doesn't matter when if you don't have the speed because he he's been uh, getting better starts starts than Tomac this season, and he is going to win this championship, plain and simple. And uh, you, when you are a better starter than Eli Tomac and a better consistent finisher and winning more, you it doesn't really matter if you have more raw speed. Like, but like I said, Tomac hasn't shown that raw speed. There's a lot of factors into that. But regardless of that, uh, Cooper Webb he got third. It was a pretty good, solid race for him. Third best guy in the day is is good for him. 
Uh, Jason Anderson got fourth. Uh, looked good all day. Uh, he continued to look great. Uh, fourth is good for him. He uh, looked. He in that heat race was like going four seconds faster than anybody else on the track. Uh, he won his heat race. That was an awesome heat race win uh, when he passed Plessinger. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he does in outdoors. Uh, this is a contract year for him. He's finishing the season strong. Uh, he is seventh in points now. Uh, he does have a chance again to, depending upon his finishes, he could get up to fifth place in points, but he has to be plusing her the rest of the season. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez was fifth. Uh, he was dead last at the start. And on this racetrack, on the length of it, and plus when they shortened the uh, uh, track, uh, this was a great, great race for Dylan. You know, the thing is, is that Dylan has been riding great all year. And it's just people just have not been able to see it. And I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the problem with Dylan Ferrandis is, plain and simple, is that his starts are terrible and no matter what he does he's not going to be able to win a 450 championship or even be a title contender or hell even a race winner until he he figures out his starts uh, it, it, it's it's realistically that simple and it's something that he struggled with in the 250 and you know Cooper Webb ironically struggled with the similar things but then you know cooper webb on the ktm figured figured it out but unless uh dylan ferrandez figures it out it's it's going to be the same problem so uh outdoors obviously he he's gonna poor starts but he's gonna have more timetable to figure it out the one thing though is is that tomac is a better outdoor rider. Sexton's a better outdoor rider. Um, uh, Marvin, Roxon, they're good outdoor riders, so we'll have to see. Uh, Plessinger, sixth. That has to be extremely disappointing. It's a great ride for him and also disappointing. He was leading a race for, the major for at least six laps, crashed, and then fell back to sixth. You know, overall, he's showing that he could potentially win the race. I, it'll be interesting to see if he could maybe clip one here, one of the Atlantas. He is maybe a moto-winning threat going into outdoors. Hopefully he didn't hurt himself or anything or that. Still fifth place in points. He's starting to distance himself from Malcolm Stewart. So that's going to go inclined from him. Uh, Pulpamex Steve Mathis reported earlier this week that KTM is going to offer him a contract it's going to be interesting to see if Yamaha matches that uh, it's I, I think uh, he had a one year team option but if KTM offers him a contract is Yamaha going to match that offer uh, Marvin Muskan got 7th that was an extremely quiet 7th um, Mathis also reported that Marvin Muskan also got a one year contract offer for them it's going to be, uh, Marvin's had a rough year. It was a long rehab. If, if Marvin, do you want to stay? You don't want to stay. Is this how you want to go out? will be interesting to see. Uh, Joey Savacci had a good heat race. Main event got eighth. 
top tens going into outdoors. Uh, that's something that you know Joey could look forward to for that. And then uh, we get to Ken Roxon. A uh, very disappointing ninth. Wasn't uh, he? He started tenth, finished ninth. He wasn't able to move forward, and I, I don't know what to do here. Uh, obviously, you know, two weeks ago he probably should have won the race, and you know that most likely defeated him in in a lot of ways. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that you know, going to sound like a broken record again on this one, but outside of 2016, when he, he, he when he starts a series off, he tends to fade, and he. He got lucky in 2014 against Dungey in a mud. If that mud race doesn't happen, I think he loses that championship. And he, in, in this year, he you know Cooper Webb kind of broke him, I think, in the final Dallas round. And you know the, he had a bad start in the heat race in Atlanta, and then he had a bad start in the main event here in Atlanta. So. Uh, Oh, by the way, this is a round 13 to 17 in the Monster Energy Supercross Series. I think I forgot to open that because I realistically just started kind of bashing the uh, TV series right away. So my bad on the uh, introducing what I was actually previewing. But um, I just... Roxon is just frustrating. He's now uh, 22 points behind. Four rounds to go. If uh, Webb Web can... Um, if Webb, uh, I think Webb can, Webb's gonna clinch this early. It just, it's just gonna be very disappointing in that aspect because Ken Roxon looked awesome, looked like his health was finally fixed, and then we get this type of result towards the end of the season, which we were all afraid of. Um, Barsha finished tenth after that uh, bad heat race crash. Uh, Barsha is probably going to finish fourth in points. Uh, Malcolm Stewart, 11th. That has to be disappointing for him. Uh, Martin Davalos, 12th, after going through the LCQ. The first LCQ in a long time for him. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Oldenburg gets 13th. He's got to be happy with that after, uh, you know, he's probably going to be riding the 450 class the rest of the season. Uh, Brock Tickle, 14th. Uh, the lone remaining MCR rider. Probably for the rest of the season, I you know, I, I, Benny Bloss was practicing. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, I don't know. Benny Benny just hasn't had a good year since uh, you know ever since Benny left Salt Lake last year. It, it really hasn't gone well for him. Kyle Chisholm season best fifteenth, good for him. Tyler Bowers season best sixteenth. Kate Clayson seventeenth, good for him. Uh, Freddie Norin. Uh, finally made a main event. He's had a bad year in terms of injuries. I guess uh, some issues with getting parts and bikes. He finished 18th. Uh, Kevin Morans. I've been extremely impressed with him. His starts have been on point, but outside of that, he's been getting faster every week. He's finished 19th. Alex Ray made another main event. He finished 20th. Uh, I understand. I listened to a uh, the last uh, couple weeks ago, Pulp and Mech show, him, uh, Kay Clayson and A. Ray have a bet to see who is going to have the uh, most points the rest of the year. Well, they're officially tied on points now. So four races ago, they're tied on points. 
Uh, Vince Frise and Max Anstein both crashed with, crashed with each other, so uh, I have no update on Max Anstein, but hopefully he uh, is healthy enough to get to outdoors. So we get to the points. It's uh, Cooper Webb in first, Ken Roxon in second, Eli Tomac in third, Justin Barsha in fourth, Aaron Plessinger in fifth, Malcolm Stewart in sixth, Jason Anderson in 7th, Dylan Ferrandis in 8th, Joey Savacci in ninth, Marvin Muscan in 10th. So, another rider I wanted to message, uh, uh, sorry, um, another, another, sorry, another rider I wanted to talk about was Dean Wilson. Uh, did not make the main event. He had, to, he had some issues in the heat race, and then he went to the... Uh, LCQ had a bad start, went down, and then after a couple of turns, he went down again, so he missed the main. That's really going to hurt him in the points. He, right now, he's 13th in points. Uh, he probably, after, um, he's probably going to finish 11th in points, to be honest with you. Uh, I think right now, the top 10 points of the riders who are currently in the top 10 points are pretty much settled. It's just going to be a matter if any riders, any other riders, can get up to the top 12 or 13. So that was the uh, 450 class. Now we get to the uh, 250 West. Um, Nate Thrasher. I didn't think it was going to happen, but uh, he won. Good for him. Uh, obviously, he had the big controversy this offseason by uh, virtually a trade for him and Justin Barsha. Uh, I watched a lot of the um, uh, Loretta Lins, and he was finishing. Well, he had some poor starts, but he had some good speed, so he was finishing some uh, thirds and fourths. But he was riding the pace of the Jet Reynolds, the Romanos, Romanos, and a few of the other riders. But uh, so far, the start of this Supercross season has not been good. Uh, a lot of LCQs. Uh, Cody Shock had been outperforming him, and it was it was kind of scary. So, but uh, this one, uh, even in this race, he was in the LCQ, but he he won the LCQ, got the start in this main event, and led all the laps and won. So, uh, if it's anywhere but up for here for him, he's got to be. Looking up here, and uh, we'll have to see. He, uh, where is he now in points? He's now seventh in points, and uh, we'll have to see if he can see any further up there. Uh, Justin Cooper got second. He, uh, all the all the riders uh, everywhere else here got really really lucky because Garrett Mar Marchbanks crashed, but uh, Justin Cooper went down in in the heat race, and he got. I mean, the, the amount of speed that he was showing, I, I didn't think that he was going to qualify because of how muddy the track was. But in the heat race, he, he got up there really, really fast. And Seth Hamaker barely won. But getting back to the main, 250 main, uh, Justin Cooper finished second. Uh, good race for him. Cameron McAdoo, he, was, uh, he actually sh was showing early more speed than Justin, Justin Cooper. He actually passed Cooper early but then McAdoo made a mistake in the whoops crashed and then uh, Justin Cooper passed him uh, McAdoo had to make a couple of passes uh, to finish third so the points lead is only four points uh, Justin Cooper was only able to um, 
get two points to uh, gain two more points. So uh, in this championship, there are only two regular races left, and then there's the East-West shootout. So McAdoo realistically needs to beat Justin Cooper next week. Uh, Seth Hatmaker finished fourth. He's showing great progression. He now moves to fifth in points. Uh, good for him there. Uh, Seth Hatmaker, obviously he's had a lot of health issues, but he's uh, showing that he's been able to prove to be healthy in here. That's what he needs to be doing. Uh, Kyle Peters has got fifth. That's another Peters. Peters is going to Peters here. Uh, Mitchell Harrison, he kind of balanced between third, fourth, fifth, and sixth during this entire race. He finished sixth. Hunter Lawrence finished seventh. He was dead last at the start, but uh, uh, he he won the heat race, his heat race. But outside of that, he was dead last at the start, but he was able to battle back up into the um, seventh place. So he was able to manufacture points, but realistically that kind of ended his championship hopes unless Cooper and McAdoo realistically, realistically hurt himself. Um, but the thing is, this wasn't, wasn't to me a championship year for Hunter Lawrence. This was a learning year for Hunter Lawrence, and this was a year for him to not get hurt and move into outdoors. And he is doing very well. So he's kind of um, advancing beyond my expectations. Jalik Spool, quiet day, eighth. Pierce Brown struggled, had to go through the LCQ, but for him to get ninth, obviously missing the first round, a good Daytona race, getting hurt and getting ninth here. That's all you. That's all you ask. Uh, Cody Shock got tenth. Solid year from Cody Shock. He's tenth in points. That's all you ask for him, especially on on the Michael Lindsay team. I mean Carson Mumford. Didn't even make the main event. So that's just that's how that's going on there. Style Robinson returned after being hurt. He got 11th. Uh, Ryan Sipes, uh, odd day for him. He uh, didn't make the, uh, um, didn't get through the heat race. Don't know exactly what, what happened there. But uh, during the LCQ, had a heck of a battle with uh, Jace Owen and then uh, with uh, a lap and a half to go. Made the pass and the whoops, and then he uh, got it done. And uh, that helped me out in fantasy because um, uh, Anstey and uh, Sean Cottrell did not help me at all. Sean Cottrell didn't even make the main event, and then uh, Anstey crashed. So I did not have a good week in Pulp MX Fantasy. Uh, Chris Blos, 13th. Uh, Garrett Marchbanks was running second place during the majority of the race and then went down in the whoops, and then he was having a hard time getting it started. So that had to be a rough blow to him. Uh, Cedric Subaros was uh, 15th. Uh, Ty Masterpool, quiet day from him. I didn't even know he made the main event until just now, got 16th. Uh, Dominic Theory got 17th. Enzo Lopes, good for him, got 18th. Derek Kelly, 19th snake dog everyone's favorite favorite got 20th Derek drake 21st good for him and that suzuki and jerry robin way to go jerry 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 robin got 22nd you know they actually showed him a lot in the heat race uh he was looking good out there so jerry just do what you were doing in the heat race the rest of the year and you will be just fine i don't know what happened in the main event but uh, he had a good start in the main event and he just got he he just got to keep doing that. Uh, the points, 
uh, Justin Cooper first. Uh, Cameron McAdoo is in second. Hunter Lawrence is in third. Jalik Swole is in fourth. Seth, Seth Hamaker is in fifth. Garrett Marchbanks is in sixth. Nate Thrasher is in seventh. Kyle Peters is in eighth. Chris Bloves, Chris Blows is in ninth. And Cody Shock is in tenth. All right, so the rest of the season is uh, coming up on Tuesday. It will be a night race, and then they will have the uh, final Atlanta race on next Saturday. And then the following two Saturdays will be the final two races of the year in Salt Lake City. And then we get to move on to the great outdoors of the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross season where I get to do, and obviously I will do review shows to all the Supercross season. Then I will do a preview of the motocross season. So we look at that. Uh, podcast coming up. Uh, if I, I'm looking to do a Twins first review podcast of their week should be recording that tomorrow uh and then uh we'll get that going and uh, other than that uh thank you for listening to my rant early about the broadcast other than that uh see ya